Hello, Renee. (laughs) (laughs) Then you volley back to me. Then you volley back to me. Hi, Nicole. We're here. (laughs) Yes. We have another episode of Not Only But Also. I'm Nicole Cottrell. I'm Renee Veronica Bahati Klug, also known as Waka Flocka Flame. (laughs) If you're keeping track of Renee's names, if you're not keeping track of Renee's names, you should be. You should go back and listen to them all. So we are talking about a really lighthearted, easy peasy topic. I had to pray beforehand if that tells you anything. Today. (laughs) And don't want to actually make jokes. We're actually talking about something really serious. And it was prompted really because we've had a fair amount of you reach out to us and ask us about where we attend church. Because you can no longer go where you have been going. Um, There are a lot of reasons for that. We know in light of what was this last year. And we know that a lot of people are currently hurting and in their church space are not feeling seen or connected. Um, And perhaps their leadership, your leadership where you are is not reflecting your heart and your values right now um, around specific topics, but specifically for a lot of us around racial injustice. And nationalism. And nationalism and white supremacy. I wanted to actually read this. This is, I'm not going to read this whole long thing, but There's an Instagram account called Black Liturgies. I highly encourage you to follow them, even if you're not black. They're beautiful daily prayers Mm -hmm. um, and thoughts. So many of them have been around racial injustice, um, appropriately so. And this one was from the other day, and it just spoke to me. And I think that this is kind of the idea that we've felt from a lot of you Um, It says, lead us to communities who don't rush us out of our grief or lament, but who truly see us and are capable of holding the complexity of emotional needs without dominating them. And I think a lot of us need to be led to communities right now where we're seen, where we're held, where the emotional complexity and trauma that a lot of people are feeling is being held is there's room for that. And no one's trying to tell you to get over it or move on or can we all just have peace? Because that's yeah. what a lot a lot of people are not feeling like that and they shouldn't be feeling like that. And we want to talk about church yes. and what church and church community can look like. Yes, with the full acknowledgement that we are just emerging from 2020 and we are in still in mid-January 21. And a lot of us are still online within our churches. Mm-hmm. And so there's just there's also been a physical disconnection right. because of COVID where we had to go to Zoom or some of us were like, no, I'm not going to do that. Mm-hmm. Or some of you are in person or, um, or your churches are in person because of whatever belief they have. And you can't be because you might be immunocompromised or you might just have a conviction that it's not okay to be meeting with 4,000 people right now. Mm-hmm. Correct. So we want to talk about, we said, let's say, what is church? Yeah. What is the church? Yeah. And we will, we promise that probably even this year, we will talk about what our church looks like. We go to what's called organic church. We are not going to go into detail about that today. Um, but we, we wanted to have a high overview conversation about what the church looks like and how we are 
adopted, mm-hmm. yet so often spiritually homeless. Right. And very yes. much politically too, right? A lot of us feel the same way spiritually mm-hmm. as we do politically, and that is okay. That's mm-hmm. why we need we need a third way to emerge. That's right. So what so does that- it mean to be adopted? Well, I mean, from a spiritual sense, we're grafted in, right? We know we have been adopted by Jesus. We've been grafted into the vine. We are part of a spiritual family. That's a spiritual reality that's already taken place and it's done when we when we belong to Jesus. So that's that. We are part of his family. The church, though, then becomes what? I mean, the church is the people yep. of God. We're, as they say, in the Bible, the hands and feet, we are the living temple, we are the representation of God on the earth. And it's so interesting because my kids have only known mm-hmm. organic church, which I know Renee just mentioned, and we said we're not going to get totally into, but it is like a house church, sort of. It meets but at a house. It meets at a house, correct. It meets at your house. It meets at my house. But... My kids have never – they've attended traditional um, Sunday services from time to time. and But if you ask my kids what is church, they would say like, oh, my church family? Or they would say me, like I'm the church. Yeah. And it sounds really silly, I think, sometimes when we say it, but we forget that the church is people. Yep. It's not a place mm-hmm. and it's not a building and it's not a location um now that does not in any way minimize the need for gatherings Correct. and community and fellowship and the saints gathering together that's critically important but it can look a lot of different ways it really can and you had mentioned being engrafted in and i always think okay what are we being engrafted into and i think just as a as a reminder especially for those of you who may not have a faith background you know jesus was jewish and as he was emerging, of course, he couldn't really necessarily preach, if you will, in the synagogues because it was a little bit, well, what he was declaring was really offensive to the religious elite. And so mm-hmm. when he was in the synagogue, I, he did um, read a scripture once from Isaiah, basically professing who he was as a as a fulfillment of, of scripture as the Messiah. Mm-hmm. But Jesus preached like in hill at like from fisher from fisher boats, from <laughs> fishermen's boats or on hills to masses of people. It was mm-hmm. very much people congregated to listen, to hear, and they ate together mm-hmm. and they learned from each other and they lived almost as one mind. And I like that idea that we are like-minded and one of the most uh, powerful it is a scripture, but it's a prayer from Jesus. And it's right before he was crucified. I think it's John 17. And his prayer is, Lord, that they may be one. Mm -hmm. And that to me is the great heart of Mm -hmm. Jesus, Mm -hmm. is that we as a church would be one. And I think what's breaking so many of our hearts is that right now we feel quite the opposite of unified. Right. The church feels divided. Um, it feels shattered in a lot of, it feels um, inhospitable mm, in mm-hmm. a lot of places. Um, and it took 2020 to kind of see that with the yeah, white patriarchal mm-hmm. capitalistic supremacy with people saying, I think a lot of people who are female for a lot of years um, felt like they couldn't really be who they are mm-hmm. be, just because of their gender. And 
we, uh, Nicole and I started a ministry in 2013 called Prism, Prism with an M, <laughs> not in. Um, funny story, we were asked once to go minister to the prisons, to inmates, because people thought we were prison women and not Prism women, but Prism, like the Katy Perry album. Just um, like that. Just like that. Mm-hmm. And, but we ministered to these women specifically in emboldening them in their God-given gifts, because so often women period, regardless of where we are, because this is still a, uh, I'm creating a a presentation right now on on leading as fearless women for a non-church audience. And if you look at the statistics on women in leadership throughout the world, it is not so great. Anyway, all of this is to say that if you're identify as being female, you probably feel kind of ostracized by the church or Mm -hmm. feel like you can't truly be your full self or Mm -hmm. you have to look a certain way. Right. Um, either physically and or be a certain kind of woman in order to fit in. Mm-hmm. My, my, I told you this story, but my therapist asked me the other day, shout out to Kimberly. It's my therapist. She was like, Nicole, do you think there's sexism in the church? <laughs> and I looked at her and I started laughing and I said, I don't even know how you just asked me that with a straight face. And she started laughing. She was like, I know, I know. Because she just wanted to ask it in question form to get me like, where she wanted to get me thinking, but yes, yes, there is. Yes, a lot, <laughs> a lot of it. And, and, you know, there have been times where I knew I had to give a message to people in the church, and I knew that it would not be received unless my husband was right next to me. Like I knew that that was the, the case. <sighs> and, oh, and when I was single, forget about it. I was single until I was in my 30s. And so it was like, yeah. Oh, the amount of times men, full-grown men talking to a full-grown full grown. Woman, I have a effing name tag on, uh-huh. and they call me sister. Uh-huh. No. I'm not a Berenstein bear. It's pretty disrespectful. So disrespectful. Also, though, lately, the, the thing that's been going on with me and you is I say something that I would normally say, but people don't like it. That's also normal. And then Renee texts me and says, if you were a man. <laughs> and I say, oh, I know. Oh, yeah. Every time. If I were a man and I had just said the exact same things that I said, you would be president of the United States of America, <laughs> but not the president, not the, not president, the current but like one. one of the presidents. I, yeah. You would be elevated to a very high standing right. form of leadership. That's okay. But because I like of being your a, vagina. I like being a lady. I wouldn't change it. In fact, so. And, and you know what created that one scripture? One. One scripture bound oh, this us. this one? This one? No, the one Paul says women should be quiet in the church. Yeah, this one? That's what I mean. Oh, yeah, that one. She's making these gestures. I covered my mouth. I'm miming, and I was expecting Renee to understand what I was miming. If we were playing charades, I would have lost that round. True. Okay, so tell me, talk to me about community that you've maybe found or places you've found community and fellowship that surprised you that maybe didn't look traditional in the sense of a Sunday service now I'm saying this I'm not knocking I want to say I'm not knocking Sunday morning service I love the local church I love the gathering of the saints however it happens I believe in that I will always believe in that I think that I'm saying this in this way because I think a lot of people right now are in a wilderness place and they're looking for something outside of where they have been because where they have been is not meeting their current needs now I'm also not a person that's for like Church shopping in the sense of like, oh, I'm not being fed, so I'm going to go. Mm-hmm. I actually hate that mentality. Yeah. Um, we're not supposed to be fed. We're not 
lab rats like attached to a what are those sucky things rats suck on the I don't know. You know what I'm talking about? That's not our- I kill rats. I don't- I don't- <laughs> I kill rats. That's not our place. You know, part of our place is, as believers is to edify the saints. Like that's yeah, a calling that's on right. me to help edify those around me. I'm supposed to help feed. I'm not supposed to just be fed. And I think this is the great misconception of the patriarchal church. And it's also possibly capitalistic and also, uh, you know, the whiteness we can- the whiteness is pretty clear. The but it, we, I think, have given church over to a, in an entity, a person, mm-hmm. or a group of people, mm-hmm. and given them responsibility to do the work that we actually have been asked to do. Very often, that's the case. Yeah. And with meaning like a pastor or whatever, like I, and now even pastors are becoming a therapist. Please don't go to your pastor if you actually need to go to therapy. And listen, if your pastor, I mean, look, these are not blanket statements. If your pastor is but, a therapist, cool. Yeah, but why burden the person one more time? But I mean, they're already doing enough. And I mean, it's quite likely your pastor's a man. But you asked me about my church story. Listen, I have had a hard time. I became a Christian at 18. And it's been hard for me to find a church. Yeah. We've been planted in church, planted. I've never I've never become a member of a church Um I've always had a, a sticky, had a hard time sticking mm-hmm. to churches, but I I do know that insofar as what the I always try to look for, not so much. Um, I mean, very much like John F. Kennedy asked, not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. Mm-hmm. And I've tried to have that kind of balance mm-hmm. where I'm offering just as much as I'm receiving. Yeah. Now it turns out. That I believe, and if I'm full of it, fine. I believe I have a lot more to offer than most churches are willing to let me offer. Mm. And so that's why I had to leave mainstream yeah. church. But the churches that have been most significant to me are those that were safe. Mm-hmm. Those that, <laughs> you know, um, I met one of my my favorite experiences was when I was living in New York. It was uh, during graduate school. This was, I lived there from 2000 to 2005. Uh, picked up a husband, but also, um, yeah, I'd come, I will talk about this during uh, church abuse. Uh, that one's coming up. That episode's coming in uh, hot soon. Yeah, but there had been a lot of uh, church abuse, and I I went to this church, and I sat in the back row. It had been two years since I set foot into a church. Mm-hmm. The only thing I had done in fellowshipping was cry, mm-hmm. and I sat in the back, and I was poised to leave, and I felt the Holy Spirit say. You can trust these people, Renee. Mm. And that was what, 2002 maybe? Mm -hmm. And I'm still friends. Yeah, It's almost been 20 years and I'm still friends with the pastor. And that church, did it feed me? No. I mean, the pastor freaking preached on evangelism every freaking week. And most of the people in the congregation were Christians for like 25 years. Uh It was, I don't even, it was bonkers. But- he was great. Maybe he was an evangelist. That was really like his heart. Maybe. And, and he maybe just, he needed he to be. And it was all he could talk about. Yeah. I don't know. But so I wasn't fed in the way that we think I of. needed to, but yeah. I worshiped there freely. Mm-hmm. I felt safe. I felt loved. And that was exactly what I needed yes, at that time. And, and the two years prior to that, when I was, I was all by myself in New York. I mean, I had, I was surrounded by non-Christians and and I was so straight edge and just so I didn't I didn't say any swears. Like so the people back then <laughs> who might be listening now and hearing me swear, they're like, What? That can't be Renee Bahati. Uh, 
it is. I wish that I I would build a little time machine. Oh, I still am friends with everybody. You can interview them. No, and I would go back and I would meet No Swears Renee. No Swears Renee. And I was a lot more introverted. She's a different kind of character. I can't really wrap my mind around her. I was introverted. I just, more introverted. Anyway, but but to to wrap that up, in, in in that two years, the only thing I could do was cry. Mm. That's it. That's all I could do when I went before the Lord. Yeah. Was cry. I couldn't read scripture. I couldn't go to church. I couldn't really talk about, I could just cry. Mm-hmm. And that was fellowship. Yeah. That was so beautiful good. to the Lord. It was pure to the Lord. And it was the time that I needed yeah. to understand, to get that religion out of me. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. I didn't need to be at a place of worship in order to worship. That's so good. And then since then, I've looked for places where I could worship until the organic church thing happened where I just needed a place where I uh, I, I was all done with the horse shit. I know. Just... I was all done. I was all done with the whiteness. I was all done with the maleness. I was all done with the building funds. All done. Yeah. And that's what took me to organic church in 2012. And I haven't looked back since. Yeah. How about you? How about me? Well, I was trying to think like what are what have been experiences that I've had that have very much been the church. I mean, I am I am the church, you are the church, we are the church. So really anywhere we gather, anywhere we are with a saint. I mean, it could be one person. Yeah. If you find one person that you can break bread with that you can get together and just talk with. You don't even have to pray. Guess what? You don't even have to pray. And it's still church because yep. it's you. And sometimes there are seasons where that is what we need. That's what we get to cling to because we're in the waiting and we're God's doing something else and he's leading us to a people. I really do believe though that yeah. God has a people for people. Yes. I think that. Wait, wait, wait. Flesh that out a little bit. He I don't know. I mean, I feel like this people. is maybe like that. anecdotal – and I don't know. That's okay. Although, We're not re- we don't although need there to be are researchers. some verses that come to my mind. I just mean like, okay, I think I shared this the other day. Um, I asked um, I asked my son Tolan a couple years ago. So he's 12 now. So maybe I asked him when he was like maybe nine or 10 actually. We said, why did God um, make people? Oh, yeah. Why did he create us? And Tolan said he wanted a family. Mm-hmm. And was such as he just knew he said that with such ease and a sense of belonging like he knows that god created us so he could be with us because we're his family he 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 loves us and he he wanted to represent himself in a people yeah so god wanted a people and i just don't believe that he, he made us to be relational he made us to be connected and interconnected um and interdependent even yeah which makes a lot of Christians uncomfortable, which is a separate conversation. Because, well, in the United States, we're a very individualistic, right? Yeah. But he did, I mean, scripture is very full of the idea of the communal corporate interdependence yeah. in a spiritual sense. So he made people for people. He made the church for himself and for us to be in it and represent him. And I just, I, I know of enough people who've waited and walked and been in wilderness times looking for community for so long and God has brought it. Yeah. Jonathan and I got to meet a couple at a conference a couple of years ago who had been waiting for a community where they lived. Um, They lived in this really small town and they were wanting to have a kind of organic house church in their home. 
And they'd waited for 40 years. 40, 40? I think it was 40. 30 years, maybe. No, maybe it wasn't 40. I don't know. 20 years, 30 years, or very long time. Lots. And um, hopefully none of us have to wait that long. But then they just faithfully prayed and they faithfully held on to this vision that they'd had, mm. that God had spoken to them. Like this, the kind of community you're desiring is possible. And slowly but surely people started moving into the town or people's hearts started changing towards what they were doing and they started and they grew this church that they had had this vision for for so long so back to your original question (laughs) that's okay um we have no rules i know we have no rules we're rule free i was thinking about places where i've been in a fellowship church atmosphere that wasn't necessarily church like we think of it and so when i was um when i first was a mom i started going to a women's bible study at a local like mega church and i definitely already felt very different from a lot of the women there um she's not white yeah not white and i love white people half of me is white yes i was i I the half of me that is white loves the half of you that is white (laughs) yes we kiss um and i started going though to this mom's bible study i was desperately needing connection with women especially with moms i was so overwhelmed with being a mom i had postpartum depression after my daughter was born i did not like mom life and felt guilty for not liking it and didn't understand why everyone was so excited all the time And I started going to this Bible study and it was life-giving to Mm -hmm. me. It was also where I was introduced to Beth Moore. I mean, not in the flesh, I wish, but via the big screen with her big tall hair. And I love me some Beth Moore. And it really was life-giving. And I mean, I shared all the things with these women. I was vulnerable. We cried together. We prayed for each other every week. We checked on each other. I made really beautiful friendships out of that group. And that is not a place that I would have normally have been found that was not my scene yeah but i needed what was there and god had it for me and he directed me to that place now time went by i kept growing and i was changing god was doing things in me and i was there for many years and then by the time maybe i was there for like four years by the time i left it was very clear that it was time for me to go because my now suddenly my theology did not align with the, their theology and the leadership there were saying things that I just didn't agree with. And mm-hmm. I felt this total peace that it was time to leave and I could go and it was done in that season. And I was like, thank you, Lord, for the time that I had there that I needed because yeah. I can't imagine what those days would have been like without that time. I think that's the other thing too is um, – we tend to think that a church experience um, is going to be this always ongoing, never ending or never changing mm-hmm. thing. Yeah. When very often God gives us seasonal or transitional peoples to be with for the time that we need and that they need us. And then it's okay to let those things go and to go to the next thing. Hmm. You know what that reminds me of, Nicole, is like the old school generation, maybe the uh, the greatest generation, people born in the, the 20s, and then the boomers born like 45 to 
I guess 75 or 65, I don't know. Um, that generation, like they got a job at 25 and they retired. Mm-hmm. And that was it. And right. I think sometimes that's the mentality still that's taken into the church. Like you, you, you set your roots down and you stay, right? You stay, mm-hmm. you commit. And then the millennials, of course, get blamed for bouncing around and doing this and not necessarily uh, having any sort of commitment to anything. But I think that there's something valuable to be said about the mentality of, of going where you're most, not just needed, but also, um, that, that reciprocal relationship. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, I think sometimes there's a lot in that mentality that can bounce too quickly. Yes. But I think insofar as you can trust yourself, and we've talked about trusting ourselves in a lot of different episodes, you know when you know. Yeah, that's And true. a lot of times you know what you need. And if you're not receiving it from the place where you are, I think it behooves a conversation. Mm-hmm. If you're a more confrontational person, that can be I can, I actually, that can be easier said than done, regardless of whether or not you're a confrontational yeah. person. It's hard to talk to somebody about unstructuring their structure mm-hmm, mm-hmm. or questioning why they're doing the things that they're doing. Um, but sometimes people don't even realize why they're doing the things that they're doing. Yes, this is true. They don't know why they brought in fog machines That's right. during worship. <laughs> They don't know why their pants are so tight <laughs> when they sing a worship songs. Um, okay, the, that's a great point because I'll say this. Preston Perry and Jackie Perry, Jackie Hill Perry, who if you don't follow them, you should I do follow not, them. I, I've never even heard of them until oh, this very second. Tisk tisk to you. So they are, Preston Perry is an apologist and apologist. Is that what you say? He goes around apologizing. And um, poet and his wife, Jackie Hill Perry. She is a an author and speaker. Was she a singer? No, mm. she's not a singer. But well, I mean, she sings like I sing. Like she just sings, you know, she just sings like gospel music around her house. But not a singer. But he. Um, but they are both black, and they were talking about this on I don't know an Insta Live they did or something to that effect. And one of the questions people were asking about, you know. Should people just like leave their church? Like if the church isn't talking about what they feel needs to be talked about, if they're not addressing racial injustice, if they're not talking about white supremacy, if they're not doing these things that people are feeling deeply, should they just bounce? And I can't remember all that he said, but one of the things that he said was, you know, if you need to leave, leave, Mm. but don't leave without talking to them Yes, because he's like, they're never going to know and understand. And if you're just leaving and not giving opportunity for that leadership to respond and to make course correction and to, you know, I'm going to say it to repent. Yeah. If that's what's necessary, then it's, it's wasted because they're not going to understand. You're not, you're just leaving and you're, it's not helping to solve the hurt Mm -hmm. that's actually there and we do have a duty. I believe we have a responsibility as believers to when we see those things to say those things. So we don't I don't think we have a free pass to just be like, well, this isn't working for me anymore. I'm out. Yeah. Especially if you've been contributing right. to the to the I mean, there's mega churches like three thousand or more people. They might not even know. They may not know. Right. And, you know, and I I I got issues there, but that's a different conversation. Um because I do think that there needs to be connection. I can't even tell you how many times I've slipped in, slipped out of church, yeah. and nobody would have known the yeah. difference. And, you know, those were not healthy years. But, I, yes, absolutely talking. Because it's like ghosting somebody when you break up or yes. breaking up with somebody it's over true. a text. It's right. It's just not fair. It's and then just, you don't get to look back at them and then, like, be upset 
that they are still doing what they're doing when right? you didn't even speak up. Yep. And if you, yes, if you have opportunity to speak to anyone in leadership and help bring about some accountability, you should. Yeah, because how do you know that your eyes weren't open to that very thing that you mm-hmm. want to leave about for yes. the sake of wanting to oh, change yeah, things? Yeah, that's good. I, you don't know. And I would say, if you know better, you do better. Maya Angelou said that. And she said something to that effect, probably a little bit more eloquently. But I think that that's really important. Mm-hmm. And we have to remember that that you can't just go, you have to be responsible We have to grow up. We have to grow up. And the thing is, is loving somebody does not mean you don't confront them. Yes. I mean, I was just saying, I had this conversation, I don't know, about a year ago. Um, Because, okay, I love Freddie Mercury. I I think it's come out by now. But he had this thing (laughs) that where he would uh, like stonewall people. Mm Mm-hmm. And just, just shut silent treatment. Yeah, yeah. silent treatment. Mm-hmm. Like he was awesome in a lot of ways, but a few people who, who were close to him said mm-hmm. that he did this, his boyfriend specifically. Um, I hate that. Like yeah. I had to wrestle with my devotion to Freddie Mercury when I read <laughs> about that because it is not okay with me to do that. Yes. And because, and I asked, I, I did, a, I feel like I asked you too, like, would you rather be in a relationship where somebody told you exactly what they thought, mm-hmm. even like if they not yelled at you in an abusive way, yes. that would never be okay. Or would you rather them stonewall you and silent treatment you? Mm-hmm. In a heartbeat, I would rather somebody tell me exactly what it is. Oh, they're no question mad about. for me. I always, I always right? just want the truth because the other one, it's just, it's, it's, it's crazy making. But it's also yes, but it's also that's from a place of brokenness and his own trauma and not being able to cope. That's I mean, that's true. oh, we should totally deconstruct Freddie Mercury on one of these episodes. Okay, yeah. <laughs> I'm writing it down right now. <laughs> type, type. Right, right. <laughs> he did. He had so much brokenness. I, I wish I could just give it's him also, a hug. And, you know, it's also what made him such a great artist. But um, yeah, I was just thinking through too. Like, I think that we get sometimes, <clears throat> sometimes I think we box ourselves in inadvertently mm-hmm. in how we think church is supposed to look, how long it's supposed to last, like I said, but also... There is so much scriptural support and idea around like wilderness phases and like being yeah. in the looking and the seeking and the searching. And the quiet. And the quiet and the listening and the stillness. And it's not always going to be – it's okay for you to have a time where you're looking. Yeah. And I think sometimes we – I think the tendency can be like, I have to be like with a group of people and doing this thing, which we all want. We all crave that and we were made for that like I was talking about before, but I also think it's okay to acknowledge there might be seasons where that's not happening and yeah. you can you can still fellowship even with the Lord or one other person like I was saying and let that be church. That is still church without it being everything you were ever hoping for, which sucks. It's I mean, true. I hate even it saying does. it, but we've it all does. had those wilderness we experiences. Have. And I just laughed because I forgot about one in New York. Um I will say that it's still heartbreaking and it's still lonely Mm -hmm. and being heartbroken and being lonely are not fun. And there, so there's no, there's no saying just do that. It's just sometimes that's all you can do. But New York before, oh gosh, before I found this church, I forgot the only fellowship that I had was through the 700 club. Yes. (laughs) 
that TV show where they would prophesy at the end. And back then, you know, I was a little bit, I was never entrenched in Republicanism, but I was a Republican and I kind of, you know, I drank that Kool-Aid, not nationalism, but just, I believed what they were saying because I believed that that's what I was supposed to believe. Mm -hmm. I was 23, but I just remembered that. Like it was a TV show and, or a news show, or I don't know, quote unquote news show. This was the, the lady with the big hair. Was no, it, it was Pat hair? Robertson. Oh, Pat Robertson. Yes, His yes, crew. yes, yes, yes. And Gordon Robertson yes, had yes. a cooking show back then. And anyway, so I did that for a while. And, you know, sometimes it was just a youth group. I didn't actually go to the church. And I think sometimes you just have to, and sometimes you have to kind of date before you can get yes, married. Yes, Um if And that's you, okay too. Yeah, that is okay. Uh, just give it a chance and try to meet people. And I think sometimes... In entering in a church, you want to connect. You, uh, here's my thing. Here's my biggest advice. You want to connect with people. Um, and yes, there are ideologies that are going to be at play. And yes, there's a worship style. And yes, it might be loud or it might be quiet or things like that. And those are all part of the flavor. And I think those are important. But sometimes I have chosen like that one church where the pastor you know, evangelized every week, introduced us to Jesus every single uh-huh. week for five years. <laughs> yeah. Um, they were great people. Right. And that's what I was there for. Yes. And that's enough for a lot of us for a lot of the time. Okay. So that makes me, we had talked about this, you and I had talked about this briefly, but um, Bethany, not not a person, but oh, yeah. Bethany in the Bible, it's a place. Um, and it was just outside Jerusalem, like down the road to Jericho, I guess. So it was like in between the two. Mm-hmm. And um, a lot of people, historians think it was kind of like a subdivision. It was like the suburbs. It was like the burbs. And that's where Martha and Mary and Lazarus lived. And it's where Jesus would go um, a lot of times for a lot of different things, for a lot of different reasons. And so there's a book by Frank Viola. I've mentioned him on other episodes um, called God's Favorite Place on Earth, I think it's called. I think that's what it's called. Um, and he talks all about Bethany, and it's really beautiful. It's a really simple book. It's really fast read if anybody wants to read it. But there's a lot of significance in the place of Bethany, and a lot of important things happen there for Jesus. I mean, we know Lazarus was raised from the dead there, mm-hmm. and Mary anointed Jesus there. And those were his friends, and he took his disciples there and feasted there. That's where he spent his time before, right before his crucifixion. Yeah. And there are other accounts where after he would be exhausted from yeah. praying for days, um, laying hands on people and healing, he would go to Bethany to rest. Hmm. And it's really interesting because Jesus didn't always want to hang out in Jerusalem. He wasn't trying to always be in the center of religion. And he wasn't always in the temple. And that's not where he spent his time. I mean, we know that he wasn't trying to kick it with the religious elite. But there's something really beautiful about the fact that he would go away to this small, quiet, unsuspecting place that we very often forget about. Like you talk to most Christians, they don't, Bethany does not pop up. I don't even know what it looks like. Bethany doesn't like pop up in our minds. But yet there were these really really significant spiritual things that happened there for Jesus. But the thing that was really beautiful about it is where his those were his closest friends yeah and those were his people and so he found a way to go and be with them even though he was ministering in other ways and doing other things and 
definitely had to go in and out of Jerusalem, but he wanted to be with his friends. And Mm. he took his disciples there too, and they had time there. That's where he rested. That's where he was fed. That's where he was served. That's where he was anointed and and he was shown his worth because they recognized the worth the worth in him they actually saw him and i think when we can find a place that's like that i mean that's kind of my prayer for everyone is that it doesn't have to be in the temple quote unquote right it doesn't have to be Mm. the specific thing that we maybe think it should look like for us to find a people that we can fellowship with, who love us, who see us, who admonish and acknowledge the ministry within us. Yep. And, and who just let us be. And just that's the thing. That's why he would go. He would just, he could just be himself. There yeah. were no expectations. Well, they did expect him. I mean, Mary did a couple of times. Lazarus died. Or Mary, or who did? Mary and Martha. But who got all in a tizzy? Martha. Martha. Um, and then they wanted Lazarus to come, or they wanted Lazarus, you know, they wanted him Some to be raised again. But family are always expected. But things. he got to be himself, hopefully, yeah. at certain points and rest. No, I think you're making a good and point. And I think I just was thinking about it this week. Like, that is a picture for a lot of us of what can be. Um, and for us to just to challenge us to look outside sometimes of traditional evangelical church mm-hmm. when we think about we are the church and it can be reflected in a lot of different ways it's true i love what you're saying here and it reminds me of two kind of separate things the first is what you were saying about tolan that god wanted a family mm-hmm. and this idea of the loneliness the heart of god that just wants connection mm-hmm. and that's why he created us is to kind of have that connection and also we have embedded within us that connection mm-hmm. that is not necessarily related to Uh, the family that we have been birthed from or a family that has been given to us through a spouse and children Mm -hmm. because Jesus had, I mean, it's a little bit sketchy what happened with him and his family um, because I think we talked about this in the Mary episode, episode nine, um, you know, who are my mother and my brothers, that kind of thing. So I'm not sure how close he was there. And then of course he, as far as we know, he was never married. But this also, I think, speaks to another lie within the church, and that's the lie that to be somebody, you have to be married, mm-hmm. and which is another episode we want to do at some time, but I know that it's super raw for so yes. many people within the church. Um, just this idea that if you're not married, you're somehow not whole. Mm-hmm. Or shit. Yeah. You are whole regardless yes. of where you are. You are you. The, the Lord has his wholeness in you, and... You can be broken no matter where or what you are yeah. in life. And I th- that is a completely different story. But especially for people who are single within the church and who feel maybe ostracized mm-hmm. or like they can't go out to lunch afterwards because they're be right. impeding on a family um, or they just have to s- hang out with other singles. Yeah, I'd like to also break that within the church and let you know that sometimes just being being together doesn't mean you're with people who are exactly like you. As it shouldn't. It should be with people who are like-minded. That's right. And I think, and and do you know how much more enriched my children are when I bring people over of all ages, mm-hmm. of all different calibers and types? I mean, they get to learn from all of them. Yeah. I mean, that really is the picture of the church anyway. I mean, it should be generational. It should be multi-generational. It should be multiracial. It should be all of these things that is reflective of God's heart and it's not you know we're not broken up by age group and 
walk yeah. of life, season of life, because we obviously all have a lot to learn from one another. Yeah, and I know sometimes that hangs people up from finding a church, like well, there's not a good children's ministry, or there's nothing for high schoolers, which is huge, or there's nothing for college people, or everybody's this generation or not that generation. And I hear you on that, because it if your children don't feel like they have a place, then right. you're, you're starting that cycle all over again for them. And this is a major, this is a meta issue when mm-hmm. it comes to actually, yeah. you know, this the church's responsibility. But as the church, I think we're responsible for filling in these spaces. Yeah, Why good. aren't there good children's programming everywhere? Why don't we have a spot for high schoolers? Who is filling in those gaps? Mm-hmm. We are calling upon you <laughs> to fill these spaces because I'm not going to do it. Yes, that's good. <laughs> and to just, yeah, I think being creative, there's opportunity to be creative and what that can look like. Um, our son, same son, Tolan has gone to, um, a friend, our friends have a church in our neighborhood and he's gone to that church, um, on Sunday mornings for his own fellowship, for his own connection and community to be with boys, his age that he doesn't have in from our church in our home. And that's okay too. Yeah. Because our kids, their whole people, they need their community as well. So there's other ways sometimes of looking at it and thinking again outside the box of what it could or should look like. Yeah, it's so true. I know all of the kids in our church have like a matchup, like an age or friend matchup, but Tolan doesn't. I know. And Everywhere he goes, he really kind of doesn't. So it's been an that's ongoing okay. that's thing. That's going to be building character. Mm-hmm. I believe that about him. And it's it already has. I mean, all of the cool stories you've even just told here, and there are so many more. If it weren't for Tolan, I would not have been able to have my Judah. I know that. Oh, I was I terrified that. of having a son. And turns out that terror was not even... I don't even warranted in any way. It was not worth. Thank you. I was like, I don't even know why I had that, but but Tolan really helped me realize. Oh, I shouldn't be so afraid. I think it was because I was afraid of boys as a as a little girl. Yeah, yeah. And so I just projected that onto my. You're like, wait, I'm a grown up. I'm a I'm a forty year old woman. (laughs) And and Judah, oh, cute. But um, yeah, I don't know what else to to share. I mean, we hear you, we feel you, we've been you, we've. Traverse. I've. You know how many churches I've been to? So many. All of them. In I've lived all in California, <laughs> California, New York, Arizona, um, Colorado. Uh, I lived in London for a while. I went to a lot of churches and all of those places. And none of them is perfect. None yeah. of them. We're never going. Yeah. I mean, maybe we could close on that. We're never going to find or be in the perfect place with the perfect people, with every need, desire, spiritual and emotional met just it's not possible because we're still at the end of the day we're still human yeah and that's not what church is for and that's not what church is for which maybe another time we talk about what is the purpose of the church yeah. which is an amazing i love talking about the purpose of the church um but it's okay too to know it's not always going to be perfect and but m- my prayer is that many of you and those of you who have reached out to us specifically are able to i think just ask god for creative solutions and um looking beyond what maybe are your expectations not that you don't get your needs met i desire for you to get your needs met but also maybe that that comes in a different way yes and the thing that i would really love to admonish each of you on is asking how it is that God wants to use you specifically Mm, and where that might be for you and i know that i think that's how i found 
this church was I knew that there was this thing in me that the Lord wanted to express Mm -hmm. and it was not allowed to be expressed in so many other places because of my gender Mm -hmm. or because of their theology or whatever. And I felt for the, well, it wasn't for the first time, but I felt in fullness it was able to happen here like like nowhere else before. And that's how I knew it was a match. And it ended up being so much more than just my being able to express this part of me. Um, But that's where it was. And that's a lot. And then I was vulnerable in opening that thing up and making mistakes and um, in sharing with people my spiritual gifts. And then then it it emboldened others, I think. And then, you know, we all taught each other and we've done all of these things. And I think that's something that you could consider as well. And listen, if opening up your home to a few people, especially now where we're still yes. in quarantine. Right. Um, that is okay too. That is church. Yeah. It's so good. It's so true. Hello, man. Well, listen, we pray over you that whatever your need is, that the Lord would honor it, that you would hear with that very still small voice of knowing mm-hmm. where it is that you need to be, where it is that you need to go, where it is that you need to stay and who it is that you might need to invite or open your mind about or even talk to. And yeah. we hope in the name of Jesus that you would feel emboldened to do any or all of those things. Amen. I like it. All right. Peace. In the Middle East. Every day. Everywhere. Always. All the time. Forevermore. Amen. And then some. <laughs> <laughs>